So we have been doing a series called Budget Files. This is just going to Budget Files and why you discuss the Budget Files. In fact, in Mark 10, 13 to 16, he says, so we can read that when his disciples were turning away on the children, Jesus became angry with his disciples. He said, Let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like the children. I tell you the truth. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God as a child will never enter. He then took the children in his arms and blessed them. A child of faith is a spiritual mentality. And I know that I have asked, but what does a child of faith look like? Here's what I think. A child will grab on to something and not waver in their belief that it is true. They may not understand it all, and they have a full spectrum, but they believe it. As we get older, we get worn down with the struggles and troubles of this world, and we start to waver. Things don't seem to go the way we think they should, or we aren't feeling it. But here is the truth we have learned the last couple of weeks that we need to believe to take the question or feeling in order to have a childlike faith. Jesus is for me. He is for us, even when things don't go the way we think they should. If we doubt that Jesus is for us, we need to invite the Holy Spirit to immerse us in Jesus and His infinite love. And so that we know, that we know, that we know that Jesus loves us and is for us. We also learn Jesus is with us. He is omnipresent, meaning he is everywhere, but he is also with us. When things are painful, he stands right next to us, feeling our pain. He doesn't leave us alone. Just because we don't always feel God's presence, doesn't mean he isn't with us. There are times where we are more aware that more than only living everywhere all the time, Jesus lives with us right here, right now. And this week, we're being reminded that Jesus forgives you or us. In Luke 7, 36 to 50, I'm going to be reading some of the living translation. Um, it says, One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with us. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet. And she wiped him off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She was sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisees, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one, and 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could repay him. 
home, this man and the ones around him, going to be paralyzed by the force of punishment. He was treated this man, and the end of the friend, and he says, Your friends are forgiven. And the man believed. Because when a moment later he said, Get up, pick up your mat, and go home, the man doesn't hesitate. He does it, believing that he could because his friends were forgiven by Jesus. But I also know something else. At first, Jesus says, Your friends are forgiven. But he could say that, but no one would know for sure. Right? <laughs> so when people start questioning whether or not he really has the authority to forgive them, he goes, Okay, I'll give you something that can be noticed. You can tell whether or not I do it. And so he says, It's true to you that I have this authority. Get up, man, go home. And he does. So a couple minutes later, we're hearing Jesus again say, Your sins are forgiven. But this time, he doesn't respond to the question. Perhaps because they were left to require more engagement? Instead, he looks at the woman and says, Your faith has saved you. The woman had heard of Jesus. She may have even heard of Jesus. She probably even knew about the paralyzed man who had his sins forgiven. She knew that she wanted something different from the prostitution life she lived. She wanted to be free of the shame that she was obvious to the whole time. And then he hears that Jesus will be eating at Simon's house. He knew that it would be open to the townspeople, and he went. So being in Jesus' presence, he was overwhelmed with joy and thankfulness for what she knew Jesus could do for her. And she started to cry. She knelt at his feet, which is an act of respect. And her tears started leaving marks on Jesus' dirt-covered feet. So she took her hair and wiped his feet. Which is an act of a servant or slave to a master. And then she poured out her perfume that cost her a year's wage. But more than that, it's not just that she spent on the perfume, it was also her source of income. As I mentioned, she was a prostitute. And in those days, women who were prostitutes wore perfume to let the men know they were for sale. So by pouring out her expensive perfume, she was pouring out her ability to provide for herself. She wholeheartedly, without abandonment, gave herself to the men of Jesus of Nazareth. So, this is the sermon in the sentence that we still have on the Forgiveness leads to life-changing worship of Jesus. As a person who grew up in the church, and I know some of you guys have grown up in church. So you can relate. Um, I didn't, I don't necessarily feel like, oh, I have all of this huge testimony of what I've done and this change that happened. Because I have believed in God since I was a toddler. And I brought Jesus into my life when I was six. So, I, I was living a good life. Now, granted, I was not Christian. Okay. <laughs> not Christian. And some of you guys 
the prostitute, on the other hand, knew he needed a fresh start. He needed to hear the words, your sins are forgiven. When we think about our forgiveness, does that make us change our lives in acts of worship, like pouring out our perfume that is our source of income? We don't grasp our need for forgiveness, and we are like the Pharisee in that moment. I'm willing to see that we are desperate for God's forgiveness, thinking that we are good enough. The woman knew without a doubt that she needed to be forgiven, and then she believed it was possible. She went to Jesus with her perfume, pouring it out, saying, I give up my old life. And she did this before he told her she was forgiven. He knew he was capable of forgiving her and that he would do it. And she showed her love for any gratitude before she had any harm to do it. This makes me think of bankruptcy to your salvation. How we have a moment of knowing our need to be forgiven. And at some point, we have a time where we know without a doubt we are forgiven. That point can happen immediately or years down the road. But we don't need to wait until we have that time before we start showing our love, respect, and gratitude to God. We can worship God in the in-between time. Knowing that Jesus can and will and has forgiven our sins, even when we don't feel it. Again. Forgiveness means the life-changing worship of Jesus. So, let's take a moment to pray. Lord, we come to you humbly. We know that you know our every sin. And we thank you that you so freely give us your grace and forgiveness. Continue to teach us how to know that Jesus forgives us and as the child knows it and lives it. Help us to fully grasp the amazing grace that you give to us. Thank you for your love that you bestow on us. May our lives be poured out in honor of you and be a sweet, fragrant season to you. As we are in an attitude of prayer today, with our heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to first talk to those of you who are committed followers of Jesus. You're sitting here, you may find that you know there are times you ask God to forgive you for the same mistake over and over. And you may be thinking, in your relationship with the Pharisee, who wants to hear more from Jesus but doesn't show his love and respect because you don't feel like your sins are that bad. Today, if you find that you need to admit that you are desperate for God's forgiveness, or that you need to choose to live by faith and believe that God completely forgives you and that you are fully loved, I want you to pray with me. Father, we do repent of our unbelief and your ability and willingness to forgive all of our sins. May your grace be with us, change us, and compel us to be grateful for what you have given us. So much so that we live the rest of our lives as a response to such an extravagant, undeserved gift to the uh, through the cross 
and the death of your son Jesus. If you continue to pray for him, God has assured you that God has refused to forget the second time. You may have heard about it, but you have never come to the realization that you need the forgiveness of Jesus. So today is the day that you realize that you need Jesus because you need the air to breathe. I would like you to pray for me. I know that I know you have forgiven me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.